welcome back to another episode of the Better You Podcast, where we focus on better understanding our relationship with ourselves. I'm your host, Casey Main, and I just want to thank you so much for being here. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you've been following for a bit, then welcome back. I just, I know there's a lot of podcasts out there, and so I just very much appreciate you taking the time to listen to mine. I'm very excited about this week's episode. I talk with Jennifer Golden, who is co-host of the It's Complicated podcast. You may remember we had Lauren on in episode five, and so this week we are talking to the other half of the dynamic duo, Jen, and I'm not sure she calls herself this, but I'm definitely going to call her a dating expert, and you will see why as you listen to this conversation. And we talk about what it's like to be single these days, including how like the online dating apps and things like Bumble have kind of changed the gender roles in dating. And it's creating a lot of confusion in terms of, you know, who's supposed to reach out first, who's supposed to ask who out. Uh, We talk about how your relationship with yourself plays into dating. And Jen is, is very honest and insightful of what it's like to be single and dating in your 30s. And she also gives some great strategies on how to handle all the dating decisions. Like, what do you do if you haven't heard from the person you went on a date with? Should you text them? Should you wait for them to text you? Who should ask for the second date? And just basically her insight on how to remove a lot of the anxiety that comes with dating these days. So enjoy this conversation with Jen and be sure to listen all the way to the end where I will share my favorite takeaways and we'll have another book recommendation from a listener. I'm excited to talk to you. I'm hoping we have enough time to kind of dig into a little bit of your story, but then also maybe just talk about singledom in general, considering your podcast, I know, focuses a lot on that. So you guys have had a lot of guests on to talk about like being single in general. So I think that you have a lot of valuable insight for that. Um, But let's start with you and just go ahead and kind of tell everybody who you are and what you do and just a little bit about what your life looks like. Okay, definitely. So I have been in LA for the past 12 or almost 13 years probably. And I've worked in entertainment, I've worked in marketing, and I've always um, hosted on the side of things. And I was fortunate enough to meet Lauren, my counterpart of my podcast, in a hosting class where we developed a friendship. We realized we love to talk about dating and relationships. We really enjoyed going out and hitting the town with each other and, of course, enjoying a cocktail or seven. And (laughs) so by way of all of those things, we created a YouTube show called Two Drunk Girls, where we would talk about entertainment news with booze, sort of like a young Kathy Lee and Hoda. And for whatever reason, we kept drawing to stories about dating relationships, whether it was like celebrities breaking up, getting together, scandals, what have you, or covering dating apps. So we were presented with the opportunity to have our own podcast at LA Talk Radio. I happened to be doing the morning show there with a man named Sam. And he was like, do you want your own hour? You can do another show here. And of course, I was like, Lauren, we're doing a podcast and we're starting (laughs) next week. Um, And so we focus specifically on dating and relationships and the many things that can come with that. Um, also how it happens in different phases and, you know, you might be single and then you might be in a relationship then you might be broken up with, or maybe you get married and you get divorced, or maybe you're dating and then you're engaged. There's always something different happening in the, you know, 
sort of lifespan of a relationship. Some people have babies and all of that or decide if they want them or not. So we figured it would be something that was broad enough where we would have longevity and plenty of options for things to talk about. And also, you know, it would give us the opportunity to have a zillion types of guests that were interesting and people that we were fascinated by, because we obviously want it to be interesting to our audience, but we also sort of love learning and specifically learning about this, that I think we've grown the most probably from doing the podcast and people always joke that we're experts and I I am hesitant to say that I'm a dating and relationship expert, but now I'm like, man, I think I've clocked enough hours. I think I might be. (laughs) You probably are. And I mean, I will say you guys, you do a great job of having that variety of guests on because you're right. Like dating and relationships, especially like nowadays, like it is such, I, I mean, it's always been an important topic, but you know, nowadays, especially like you're right. Like maybe you find, you know, who you think is the one and you end up married and then you end up divorced and all of a sudden you're back in the dating scene. Like that happens much more frequently now than it used to, like for better or worse. I mean, I've already, I mean, and I'm, I'm young in this podcast, but I've had uh, two guests on who got divorced really very young. So even when you think like you're done with dating, unfortunately, sometimes you're not. Which is so scary to me, of course, being somebody that's single, because the goal is to find somebody, but then you never know when that can get ripped away in whatever reason. I mean, sometimes people have health issues or maybe people grow apart or they stray or what have you. But, you know, I'm almost like I go back and forth. I'm like, maybe I should just stay single forever because it seems safer. I have a dog and then I worry about losing her too. And I'm like, man, okay, stop that. We cannot live our life this way. I talk to me as we, because like me and my thoughts, we're a team. So I'm like, we cannot live our life this way. We must proceed and enjoy ourselves. And whatever happens, happens. We'll get through it. And if anything, we'll talk about it on the podcast. Exactly. If anything, you're, yeah, you've got good content. But I mean, I really think that, I think a way to like safeguard yourself from kind of all those ups and downs of dating and relationships and breakups and divorce and marriage and just all of that. And kind of even just the like getting your hopes up before every date and whatever, if if you can kind of have a steady and healthy relationship with yourself where you're not so like dependent on a date going well or a relationship being forever. Like I, I very much obviously by, you know, this podcast, like think that your relationship with yourself, um, really sets the tone for your dating and your relationships with others. So it's like, if that's solid, then it's easier to ride that dating roller coaster. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about that too, on it's complicated because at this point, Lauren and I are in our thirties. So, and specifically, like, I feel that I woke up in my thirties, like at 30 years old. And I was like, wait a second, something feels different. I don't have FOMO. I want to do the things I enjoy over anything else. I don't want to say yes to everything. And I sort of started to evolve out loud while doing the show. And we promote that as well, that doing things you love, filling yourself with joy, first of all, makes you a better partner, but also like you are your first, just like I said, I talk to myself as a we, like I am my best partner and I will always be there for myself unless I start to talk poorly to myself or treat myself badly. Ideally, I would be the best version of myself for myself. And I also always say I'm trying to be, you know, my mom, but the best mom I can be to my dog and like live accordingly so that I make her proud. Um, But I've found more and more recently that that is 
so true. And thankfully there's podcasts like yours and hopefully (laughs) ours helps people, but it's so true. And you know, it sounds like a cliche because people always say those sort of like standard lines, like you need to love yourself first and you need to, you know, whatever they say, those like normal cliched lines, but it's so true because if you don't, how can you expect anyone else to? And also it's your life to live. You should be happy doing it. You're the one who has to live with yourself every day. I absolutely agree. And it's funny. I almost used to like not mock, but almost have this like negative reaction to sayings like that. Like, Oh, like you've got to love yourself first. Like, especially when I was in, in one of my single phases where I was like very negative about it, you know, how you go through like different attitudes towards being single. And so if I was like not happy about being single and someone was like, Oh, well, you've just got to focus on you or love yourself first. I'd be like, what the F does that even mean? But now like, I just, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And I think it's one of those messages that you don't really get until all of a sudden you do. Right. And I mean, it makes me sad when I hear people talk to themselves a certain way, because it's like, you know, you're really putting that vibe out there. And I think of late for whatever reason, I like read a book and like, I've sort of been feeling like kind of okay about being 34 and single. It's actually attracting people. And like, creating a different energy that I'm sure I'm putting out a different energy and they're like, you know, sending it back to me. So I almost kind of feel like I'm like walking on clouds because I feel happy. And the reception to that is so positive that it makes me want to continue that even more. And I think if people sort of put it into practice and saw the reaction that, you know, energy breeds more energy that they would really focus on themselves first in a way of like mind, body, spirit, choices, not running themselves down, you know, so much where they say yes to everything, or they have to go to this party, they have to go on a date, or they have to swipe endlessly, or they, you know, have to be so proactive in their life, or the thing might not come. But really, you have to date yourself first. And so I've been trying to do that. I like segment my life in a way where I'm like, okay, if I'm busy now, I'm going to come home later. And that's my date with myself and my dog. And we're going to Netflix and chill alone, because no one's going to take that from me. I know. I love that. And I absolutely could not agree more. Like I, I very much believe in the, you've got to focus on yourself, but I know like from my own experience, when I was told that in years past, like I would, I would do it, but I wasn't really doing it because like my intention behind focusing on myself was still to find somebody. And so then that isn't really focusing on yourself. It's like you found this backdoor way to still be focused on like finding the one. And I had a similar thing happen a couple of years ago where I really did get to this point of like, you know what? I don't, I don't care about finding someone. And it wasn't like a negative. I don't care. Like, Oh, F it. It was more just like, I'm finally happy, just me. And so I'm not like, I don't feel that need to be with somebody and I'm not scared of not finding someone. And it's like, as soon as that mental shift happened, then just like you said, it's like, a different energy that was put out. And then I, I, you know, started having much um, better luck in the dating world. And, and now I'm in a, in a great relationship. So it's just, I think that mindset and that relationship with yourself are really important, but we get so caught up in, in like finding somebody else that we almost like forget about ourselves. Absolutely. And I think that you touched on it earlier, like the whole, like you talk to yourself in a certain way because you go through all these phases of how you feel about being single. So it's like, am I not this? Am I not that? Why does this person like that person instead? How come everybody else has a relationship? Uh, The clock is ticking. Why am I 34 and single, but I have friends that are married with kids and will I ever find someone? I mean, the thoughts are endless and they're terrible. So 
I've been really trying lately to not talk to myself that way and just sort of know in my heart of hearts. And again, this is one of those things people say, we're like, you just have to know that the person is coming and sort of let it go, like set it and forget it. Um, because I have to like have sort of some belief and faith in whatever you have faith in, but that I'm a good person and I deserve love. So maybe it's not now, maybe it's in a year, maybe it's in two years, maybe it's in a day, who knows, but I know I am worthy of it and I will have it. So I'm not going, I'm trying not to put so much pressure on myself to find it by a certain timeline of, you know, things. And I know we as women also have like biological clocks and there's only so much we can do with that screws up like the whole mindset. Cause you can kind of be like, Oh, I'm going to set it and forget it and let it go. And then every now and then you're reminded like tick tock, tick tock. Like that was a big thing when I turned 35, all of a sudden this pressure of like, F like, do I want to have kids? Because if I do, it's kind of time to like move in that direction. <laughs> like, Absolutely. I mean, there was a point in my dating career. I call it a career because it's been so long and I feel like it's like what I talk about and what I do, but that I was aiming for guys that were older and possibly divorced or like their biological clerk would start ticking because they were like, okay, well, if I want to be a young enough dad to like kick a ball around, now is the time to get, you know, somebody pregnant. I'm like, enter Jennifer. Like I would be there for that 44 year old guy who wakes up one day and is like, I want a relationship. So I was changing my dating range on the apps to like, I even pushed like to 48 and I'm like, what am I doing? This person is now 14 years older than I am, but it's what I want because they're on a time frame that sort of is in line with mine because I'm turning 35 and at the end of the year, you know, so I've done like all of the different arrangements you could possibly do to try and fit love into my life. And I realized none of those games I play with the apps and myself are working. So mm-hmm. how about I just hang out, have a good time. I have friends, I have family, I have work that brings me joy. I have this amazing animal that I get to be the mom of and I'm healthy and happy and I live a great life. So I'm going to go do that. And then at some point, hopefully this guy doesn't lose my address and shows up because I'm here. I, <laughs> I love it that you did that. Cause like from just, and especially since you have like a marketing background, like from a business and marketing standpoint, like that was a pretty smart strategy, but like, <laughs> <laughs> thanks in real life, it's, it's a little bit of a risk. Um, and I also love that you said you've kind of been evolving um, on air as you kind of notice these like different priorities, I guess, as you hit your 30s, which is exact same thing happened to me. I just happened to put like a lot of it into a book versus in a podcast. <laughs> um, but and so that's a perfect segue. If, if we can go back to like, what would you say is the time in your life that um, you maybe felt like the most disconnected from who you really are and kind of that, those like feelings of a little bit more happiness and contentment just with yourself. Like what did that look like for you? And when was that? I would say I was really disconnected from myself in my twenties. And most of that was to like find the hot guy or find, uh, the popular guy or be liked by somebody because it was validation, you know, for me to feel good about myself when someone else chose me or with the games we used to play with, people that would say they were not available. And, you know, sometimes we want to be the one to change them because for us, it, you know, sort of, I don't know, strokes our ego that we got somebody to change. And I was in a constant, like, sort of cycle of meeting a guy like that, because I'd also be going out more. And like, my social circle was a bit wider then. And it was all 
you know, kind of in the like going out nightlife drinking, like having fun partying scene. And I remember just sort of like chasing that feeling, then being let down, also possibly being hung over and then repeating <laughs> the same game, you know, the next night or the next Saturday or whatever it was to almost like go fishing again and, you know, cast my net. But I remember not liking myself, not liking my like the way my body felt even just because I was staying up later just because, you know, if you go from the club and then somebody's having an after party, maybe that person's there. Or now I can spend more time with that person. I was like constantly chasing external things to make myself feel better and feel wanted and feel loved. And I don't know, honestly, if that comes from like leaving high school, leaving college where you've always got these opportunities to meet people and there's also, you know, sort of like status where you're like the cool girl or like the cheerleader that I kept wanting to feed that where I was relevant. And then I turned 30 and stopped caring because I'm like, I'm tired. I have responsibilities. I have bills to pay. And also it's not actually working. So I personally am a big believer of like not sort of perpetuating like insanity. If something's not working, it must be changed. And I personally love change. So if anything can ever be adjusted and redirected and change the approach, I am the first person to be like, I'm going to alter this path and I'm going to do it differently. So for me, that is sort of when I came into myself and realized that like that was not serving me. And I also cannot give other people advice if I'm not helping myself. I am not useful as a friend. I am tired. I'm cranky. I'm irritable because I'm not happy. You know, I think it just sort of played into so many areas of my life because it tugged on my heart. And I think I'm personally ruled by my heart that I knew I needed to change and live a life of, I guess, grace and something to be proud of and never sort of wake up with regret. Like, why did I text that guy so many times? And why did I say that <laughs> thing? I cannot keep using alcohol as an excuse. We were all drunk, but guess what? Now we're awake and I'm reading it with my eyes. And even deleting the message does not make that feeling of regret go away. I still did the thing. So you yeah, I mean, a really good point about that. I had never really thought of. So, you know, in those younger years where, I mean, we are all, it's funny, it's like we're all seeking external validation, yet we're all super insecure. And we think we're like the only ones who's insecure and everybody else has it all together. But really what I've realized through talking to people is like everybody was insecure. We were just all like faking it. But in high school, it's like this smaller environment. So you're right. You've got this like identity or kind of this label of whatever kind of social group you fit in and kind of who you are. And then in college, and I recognize a lot of college, people's college experiences were different, but mine was, you know, I was in a big school. And so I went the sorority, you know, route to kind of make it smaller. And then the same thing happened. You've got these groups and you have this like social identity. And then you're right. Once you get out of that and just out into the world and you walk into, you know, a, a random bar on a Friday night, like there is no familiar faces and like, you don't have that identity like you used to. So I think that causes us to like, to search for it even more. Absolutely. And don't even get me started about living in LA. I mean, I look like the same like girl, you know, 10 girls down the line. Like everyone is beautiful. Everyone is, has a personality. Everyone has something to bring to the table. Everyone's interesting. Everyone's from somewhere else. And it's a lot of competition that you don't feel like when you're in high school and it's a smaller pool of people or, 
even in college, because you're, you're in classes and you're in sororities and fraternities and you know those people. Here, it's basically just, you know, a wide range of people that all live in the same place and they're after the same things. And it sort of can beat you down a lot. And I, that's where like FOMO stopped being a thing for me because I was like, what am I missing out on being rejected? I think I can stay home and enjoy my Netflix and be just fine. Or <laughs> like maybe my person's not in a bar or a club. And to be honest now, if I were to ever meet someone in a bar or a club, I'd be like, why are you here? Go to a dinner party, go read a book, find something else to do. You're not my person. Cause why are you at this bar? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the ego is like such a big part of all of this. And and people like you were saying, don't even realize that they are insecure and they don't even realize that they just want validation. It's like less about the other person. And that's why relationships are so much harder to find these days because people's intentions are kind of all over the place, whether to be in a relationship, to get ahead, to have validation, um, or because they just want somebody to give them a baby. I don't even know. I've heard people say to me in the past, like, the next person I date is going to be my husband. I need to have a baby. And I'm like, I don't understand that. I'd rather be single for as long as I need to be to find the right person that I can be with for the rest of my life. Cause I'm still holding on to that value that I can do that till death do us part. So I'd rather just wait. And if yeah, I have I mean, to that's wait, such like a mind blowing concept to me, like I understand the desire to have a baby. Like I I don't feel it very strongly for myself, but I've known enough people that have just always wanted to have kids and and I get it and I applaud that and that's great. But I, I don't know, to kind of just settle for like the next person, even though he might not be the right person. I mean, from what I see from my siblings who have children, like it's a lot of work and it's stressful and you want a partner that like you're actually a, a team and like on the same page while you tackle like raising a human. Like it's not it's kind of a no joke job. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the times have changed. Like when maybe our parents had kids, like the mom stayed home when, you know, was the mom and the dad went to work or even like maternity leave, like the mom was sort of like the one on maternity leave. There was not paternity leave. And I have, my best friend just had a baby who is three months old at this point. But what I saw her go through with her her emergency C-section and then the care for the child and for her own body after the fact, the fact that she had a husband who literally pulled up like her diaper from her on herself because she had a Mm C-section and, or he would like help feed the baby or help her pump. And the things he was doing was like true partnership. And I fell in love with him. I'm like, Oh my God, I need one just like you because this is magical. Oh yeah. My brother-in-law is an incredible father and has always helped with all that. And then so is, is my brother. So like my exposure to kind of, you know, dads these days is really high expectations. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a different type of parenting than ever before. There's even stay at home dads, there's paternity leave, like I said. And I think finding a partner in general, like whether it's parenting or not, that wants to help make your life better and you make their life better and you really act as a team and every decision is, you know, are we in it together? Do we feel the same way about it? Are we both going to pull our own weight? Like, you know, it should be equal in terms of that. And I mean, I have all these other feelings about equality and dating and how it plays into things, but I think in terms of a partnership, it has to be equal and you can show up in different ways. You know, maybe someone cooks and the other person cleans someone, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, maybe 
hangs out with the kid during the day and the other one has the kid at night. So you each have time to go to the gym, like live your life a little bit and you share the responsibilities. So not one person feels resentment toward the other for sacrificing their own personal time. And I don't know, I just, I hold that in such like high regard and I, maybe it's non-existent or maybe it will come to me and I will be like, aha, I've held out and it was worth it. But <laughs> I have to believe that there's something like that out there. I, yeah, I, I absolutely believe that. And I have no doubt that you will find that. Like you bring up a good point though, about how it's, it's, it's changed since say like our parents' generation. And I heard somebody say, I'm not going to be able to give proper credit in a, in a podcast. They pointed out that, you know, that's one of the reasons relationships are so complicated these days, because for years and years and years, there were very clearly defined gender roles. The woman was at home with the children and did the cooking and the cleaning. The man went to work and provided financially and that's it. So when he came home from work and just kind of propped his feet up and watched TV for the rest of the night and didn't help with anything having to do with the kids, that wasn't an issue because like those were the clearly defined roles. Then, you know, thank you, feminist movement, like women, you know, we got out of the kitchen and into the workforce. So now all of a sudden, you know, we are able to provide financially just as much as if not sometimes more than the man in a relationship. And so it's like now kind of what we expect or what we want from a relationship has completely changed and has become much more complicated. And this person was like pointing out that not all men are, and of course, obviously I'm, I'm talking solely about like heterosexual relationships here. So, because that's what I'm familiar with, but that they don't really necessarily understand that shift and that, you know, just playing the role of the financial provider doesn't really cut it anymore. Absolutely. I mean, it goes even further into like the dating apps and what's going on now. I think men, you know, are having a harder time adjusting, like you said, because it's also not being handed down. So it sort of stopped at their parents. There was no transition. Like parents can't now tell their kids how to date. And like, I'm screwed because I'm like, hello, somebody advise these people. I guess I'll do it. I'll start a podcast. But there's no like, okay, son, this is what you're going to do. You're going to ask this girl on a date, you're going to pin her and you're going to take her to prom. You know, it's not like that anymore. Things are super different than they used to be. And expectations are changing and it's creating so many insecurities because nobody knows who's supposed to do what. That's so, I, that is such a good point. Cause I was having this conversation with um, a couple of my girlfriends several months ago and they're all wonderful and they're all single. And so we were talking about all the different dating apps and I'm not on any currently, um, and I haven't really had a whole lot of experience with them. My relationship history has just always been, I don't know, just really kind of random and weird, but they were talking about how, like, especially so, you know, Bumble enters the mix and it's all like female empowerment. So like the women start initiate the message and they're essentially in control. And then, so then I can already see how then there's probably blurred lines of, okay, well, so who asks for the date? Cause now there's been this kind of shift of like the woman initiating, so is the expectation still that the guy ask her out or do, do any of those roles exist anymore? I wish they did. Honestly, I think there should be equality in the workplace and at home, you know, with splitting family responsibilities. But I think in terms of dating, romance should still exist where like the men 
sort of are chivalrous and they ask for the date and they sort of make that first move and then we show up and not just, I guess that's maybe an old timey mentality, but I think in terms of romance, we need to understand where we fit. And like, same thing with there's men and there's women and we're different where some, you know, women can be softer or more emotional and men can be stronger. And we just are what we are because genetically we're that way. Sure. There's nuances to that. And like, I actually happen to be a very strong personality and physically strong. I can lift a lot of things and I can build furniture. So I don't need a man to do that, but I would like for him to, I'd like him to be manly, go fix my tire. I don't want to do it. Would you like me to, I don't know, do something else. I'm happy to do my like feminine role. And I think, you know, there's obviously different degrees of all of that. But in terms of romance, I think people need more direction for it to actually succeed because otherwise people have their hands in the air and they're like, I thought she was supposed to ask now because of these new female roles. And I thought he was supposed to ask because don't men always do that? And they don't, don't they always pay? Like we need some sort of consistency, whatever it is. Like, I think we should have a summit. We should all talk about it. We should get down to business and then we should proceed with love and the rest of our lives because right now it's a bit of a mess. Yeah, that is not surprising. And because I imagine like men are probably just very confused because I'm like you, like I, you know, I I can, I don't know that I can change my own tire, but like I was single for so long and lived on my own for so long. Like I can take care of myself just fine. And like, if you put me in certain work scenarios, like I'll run a meeting, I'll take on the kind of alpha role, like not a big deal. I can be super competitive. I can tap into that, like kind of masculine energy, so to speak. But in a relationship, like I want to be the woman and I want that to be the place in my life where I really try and get in touch with the feminine energy and, and really kind of have that opportunity to be I guess more vulnerable and kind of more taken care of. So I want the door to be open for me. And, you know, there are certain things that I think are a man's job, like men grill. And like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to learn how to grill because to me, like that is a man's job. And so, but if you think about it, if you're a man this day and age, like how confusing is that? Like, because I don't know that everybody thinks kind of like we think, but everyone has their own mix of at what parts in their life they want to play the more masculine role and what part they want to be the more feminine role. And like, I can see how it is just kind of a shit show. It totally is. And it's actually kind of, it's painful because, you know, we as women, I think historically have second guessed our actions. So like, you know, when we come to, should we text him back? Should we wait? Um, Should I text him first? Uh, Should I offer to pay? Those kinds of questions it's like now I'm like, oh, wait, did he think I was supposed to text him first? What did I should I ask him out? Is he insecure? Is he backing off because I said something or I was more in my masculine? Like, I have no idea anymore how to read a situation because I am already an analytical person. I'm already like trying to f- come up with like the reason behind something, but I have no idea because now there's no consistency on their end. So there's literally like no rules. So they could be insecure. And maybe I should step up and say, Hey, I'd love to see you again, you know, and put myself out there. So I actually have a rule about it that I've created for myself. Basically, if the man asks first, like, you know, Hey, I'd love to like get together or go on a date. I say yes. And then after that date, 
I sort of try and put out as much energy as like, I want to meet them where they are and say, Hey, I had a great time. I'd love to do it again and sort of volley it back to them and, you know, show them that I'm interested. So there's a safe space. They can come back to me now and say, great, let me plan that date. So I'm trying really hard to sort of do my version of taking the next step or making the move, but in my like subtle female way. Mm -hmm. Would you, how would you feel if you approach it almost like as taking turns? So if he asked out the first time, if you had a good time and want to go out with him again, then you ask for the second date. I could totally do that. Um, I would do it in a scenario though, where I felt kind of comfortable with that. Like if the man seems like he's already in like, and likes me versus like, he's still trying to like do the chasing. I can, I can usually suss that out pretty quickly because some people are more transparent than others. And you can sort of feel a genuine desire for a relationship versus somebody who's just like testing the waters and dating a bunch of people and, um, just having fun. So when I can tell somebody's very like open and like into me, I will say, all right, so like, this was great. I'd love to see you again. Like when should, when are you free? Let's make it happen. Or I'll suggest somewhere to go. Yeah. See, I love that you said like, you know, if he's still wanting maybe more of the chase, because like, I think that's a real thing. And that comes down to kind of just our almost like animal instincts. And so that's where it can get so difficult of like, all right, you know, I understand all the lines are a little bit blurred. So I want to show him that I'm interested and not play any games. But if there's a very real part of him that almost like needs a little bit of the chase, then that's where kind of that playing hard to get, I guess, can make sense. But then that goes against all the like advice to just, you know, to not play those games and to just be honest. So, oh man, I'm like stressing out just thinking about dating. (laughs) Tell me about it. Well, there is a happy medium, I think, and it's sort of just being still. So like, if you say to someone, you should always be gracious and kind and always be, you know, thankful for a date and whatever, if somebody paid for that date, then you always say thank you. And you can like leave the door open, which is why I said, you know, I sort of show up and that's sort of, the most I'll do because I'll be like, all right, I had a great time. Would love to do it again. I might not push it further and say, when are you free? Or here's my idea for our next date and go that far as like really instigating the next move. I would maybe just, like I said, kind of say, I've had a great time. Thanks. Would love to do it again sometime. So they know where I stand and now it's up to them. And truthfully, if it's somebody who does like the game and they are into the chase, they probably aren't my person to begin with because I'm ready to get into an actual relationship. Um, but I let them show me that I don't force it. I don't Mm -hmm. push. I see, you know, they either want to reach out and see me again, or they don't because you can feel it. You, that's why when they say like women go crazy, um, it's because of the insecurity that stems from the uncertainty of how somebody else feels. So when I, whenever I get that tinge of like anxiety about somebody, like why hasn't he texted me back? I'm like, you know what? If he's meant to text me back, he will. And if he doesn't, goodbye, go silently into the night because I also don't want to ever feel that anxiety. I don't have that kind of time. I don't, I don't like how it feels and it doesn't bring any value to my life. So I just sort of try and be still and see what comes my way. And if he 
shows up again, amazing. Then we'll proceed. And I will be very excited to see that person again. I will put forth effort, get ready, enjoy my time with that person and proceed accordingly. But I just don't believe in forcing it. It's never going to be a good fit. It's never going to feel good. It's never going to be on equal ground if anyone forces anything. And that's something I think that came out of my 20s too. Like I just, I don't have to fight for a relationship so hard. If somebody doesn't want to be with you for whatever reason or they're not ready, let them not be with you and go be by yourself because it's probably much more fun, emotionally stable, and puts you in a better position to meet somebody who actually is willing to come into your life and wants to enhance your life. So I think being still is sort of my like principle that I learned in my early thirties that just, you know, let life happen when it's supposed to happen. Don't force certain things, Like be ready and show up, but don't force it. Yeah. I, I love that. The be still, because I think we can tend to be like super reactive and then that just almost kind of creates even more drama. So like, I remember being in those moments of like, Oh my God, like why hasn't he texted me back? And then your mind goes down this crazy insane path of like what that means like it means that you know I shouldn't have said this or he doesn't like me or he's out doing this or whatever and it's like if you stop and really pay attention to like the road that your mind is going down and you recognize like it's probably a little bit crazy and just start to question it like is any of that true like the answer is no like maybe he's taking a shower I mean like (laughs) but we we create these stories and then we make decisions and react based off these stories. But like, none of that is true. So I love the like kind of be still and almost like pay attention to what you're doing. And then also like question that. Cause I think that's how you can like pick up on your own patterns of how you like analyze and react to things and like understanding your patterns is I think key when it comes to dating as dating as well as relationships. And it teaches you patience because I am a very impatient person. So when I have to be still and I basically put myself on like a timeout, it also slows me down. It gets rid of the anxiety. It calms my heartbeat. It you know, allows me to sort of remove myself from the drama or emotionality of whatever the thing is. And it brings, it's like, brings me back down to earth basically, because I don't know about anybody else, but anxiety for me is like debilitating where it's like controls my thoughts. It controls my breathing. It controls my heartbeat. And it's like, I can't do anything else. And obviously in a world where we're busy and trying to make matters happen in our careers and in our lives, fixating on any one person not texting you back is the biggest waste of time ever. And I always remind myself that I'm like, Oh God, I have so many more things I can be doing with my time than this nonsense. But that's even like, that's a huge step because I know some people are, are so kind of close to the anxiety and those thought patterns that there isn't even enough space to kind of be like, hold on, like this is a waste of time. So I think kind of like you said, if you're just like still for a minute and then like pay attention to what's going on in your brain um, or in your body, like if you're feeling the anxiety, then that at least creates some space to then like question it and maybe step away from it or go do something else to like take your mind off of it. 
Yeah, I mean, I had a guy the other night even, like, he didn't kiss me on a first date. And I was like, what's wrong with this guy? He obviously wants to be my best friend. He's not interested, and that must be the answer. And then I moved away from that whole thought process, and I was like, you know what? I don't know it. Maybe he's just a nice guy. Maybe he doesn't kiss on a first date. Maybe he didn't want to be presumptuous. Maybe he wants to stand out from the crowd and be different and be a gentleman. I don't really know. So since I don't know, let me not decide for him. Let's see what unfolds. And so what actually unfolded, coincidentally, was he was insecure and voiced it, and he thought, that I am a career dater and I do that for my podcast and that I just go out with people to have fodder for the show and that I am a player. And I'm like, who even says that in our thirties that someone's a player? Like I'm not, I don't have the mental capacity or time or memory for that kind of experience. So it turns out he was more concerned about me and didn't want to like just be a number in my game. And he was like, I wanted to kiss you, but I, I just didn't even know if I should go down that road with you because it seems like you've got a lot going on and you're just so great and you must be, you know, a player because you're just so awesome. And I was like, what? (laughs) That's so not even what I thought transpired. So that was like another reminder of why, like just being still and letting information come to you and, and everything shows itself. It always does. The truth always has a way of surfacing. So instead of forcing someone's hand, I think it's just also easier like what's better than being still you don't have to exert any energy it's great it's like a nap that's true and I mean you're right like we we end up and we do this in all aspects of life but like considering we're talking about dating like we make all these assumptions and guesses for the reasons and like the motives behind people's behavior and like we don't know like they're just they're complete guesses so that's a really great point. Like rather than like make up the answer, like just wait until the answer reveals itself. Yeah. And I was the queen of making up answers. I mean, I still could, if you really let me, but I would come up with like an interrogation board, you know, where you uh, like the police have that board where they have a string that goes from one person to another person. And they come up with these stories (laughs) and the conspiracies. Oh my goodness. My brain functions that way. So I can do that all day and all night and circle around and come back with an entire case of why someone did the thing they did or didn't do it. So I realized it was just spinning my wheels for nothing. And it just took up too much time. I'm like, I'm probably wrong. Well, I might be right. Cause listen, I'm a really good detective. I also <laughs> might be wrong and I can never get that time back and no one's paying me for this. So why am I doing it? So when you catch friends of yours who are dating, kind of doing that, like, do you, do you call them out or do you play along? Cause I think we, we tend to get together. And when we talk about, you know, Oh, how's your date and relationships and stuff, we feed into that. And then we start, you know, making up these stories for other people's dates. And it's just like, that becomes an entire conversation where all of a sudden we've created this whole life for this person that we've never even met. <laughs> you know, I actually don't do it anymore. I don't engage in that kind of dynamic with friends, mostly because I think a lot of them are either in like serious relationships or because of the podcast. So I'm like, refer to episode 23 of the podcast. (laughs) Then we'll, then we'll talk. Once you've done your homework, then we can talk. Cause otherwise I'm not wasting my breath on somebody that's not going to take my advice anyway, that we don't have the answers that they want. If anything, I'll help them craft like a text or a plan of action to get some information that they might want that might be helpful. Um, Or I just tell them to be still because there is no reason to guess. 
no one knows what's in each other's brains. Just sort of like how we said it about how men don't always know how to operate now that the, the dating app world has changed things, and especially Bumble. We don't know what's in other people's minds or what their insecurities are or how they got to be the way they are. That, you know, it's not worth the time and energy. So it's more I will focus on their like feelings about the thing and sort of play therapist or come up with a course of action versus putting together some conspiracy theory for them, because ultimately we really don't have the answer. So I focus on saying we don't know and we won't know until we get that information. In the meantime, we don't know it. So we cannot decide. Yeah, it just it gets so complicated, though, because, okay, so let's say someone's not texting you back. And so somebody listens to our advice here and is like, all right, I'm not going to freak out about it. Like, I'm not going to make up all these assumptions or whatever. Or someone isn't asking you on a second date, whatever it may be. Then you get into that that confusion of playing kind of games and hard to get versus showing him you're interested or asking him out considering, you know, this new world we live in of like Bumble and people trying to put the women in charge of the dating. And so I can see how people would get just really confused on like what to do. So when you find yourself in those situations of just kind of like, ah, like, I don't know how to, how to play this. Do you have any advice for people on like, I don't know how to figure out what is the right move for them. Absolutely. I think if for whatever reason you feel you need to text the person, let's just say I'll give you my personal example on how this all played out. But I went out with that guy. He didn't try and kiss me. And I was like, all right, I don't really know what to make of that. So I'm going to just go about my business as usual. And if he texts me, that's cool. Then I'll know maybe he was just being a gentleman or whatever that meant to him. Um, he didn't text me. So I took it upon myself because I wanted to talk to him because I like him. So I was like, let me show him that I'm interested at least. And then he can react to that. If he reacts favorably, great. At least I already wanted to text him. I did it. I said my piece and I put in effort. So I'm not playing like the helpless role where it's all happening to me and I'm not taking a part in my own relationships. He then wrote back, but it was very like, short answers. And I was like, okay, let me not push this any further. I showed interest. He sort of was just being polite by responding and it is what it is. He actually then went a step further and called me to talk about what was actually bothering him. So I think I opened the door by texting him. He saw I was interested. He then knew there was a safe space for him to talk to me because I was interested and then actually made the effort to call. I think if you have something to say to somebody and not just because you're like, man, I, I want to test to see if that person likes me or hmm, where I don't know where we stand. I think if you have something to say to somebody or you want to reach out and say hi or tell somebody that you're thinking about them, you can always do that. But do it once. Don't keep at it. You know, don't pester someone. Don't push. Don't be clingy or like desperate, if you will. But like, you know, you can do that one step, whatever that step is for you. If it's texting or if it's I'm commenting on someone's photo or just reaching out in some capacity that feels right. If it goes with your true nature and feels good versus forced or from a place of anxiety or a place of ego, then, you know, 
do it if it feels right. If it doesn't feel right and you're just doing it to get a reaction or to get your answer quicker because you feel like he doesn't like you and you want to push him to say it sooner than later so you're not sitting around waiting, that's probably not the right intention and probably not the right headspace to come from because likely it'll probably just push the person away. Either way, they feel, they feel how they feel. But now you're just pushing them to feel it faster when you could actually probably figure it out on your own. If you don't hear from somebody and you haven't reached out, they probably don't like you. Or maybe they do, and they're waiting for you to send one text that says, hey, thinking about you, haven't seen you, or whatever. I, I love that you said um, intention, because I, I I just think that's so important. So I think to kind of like piggyback off what you're saying, like if, you, if you're feeling the urge to reach out to somebody, kind of ask yourself why. And if the answer is because you actually just have something you want to tell them, that's different than if the answer is because like, I want to know if that person likes me. Like you said, like if you're look, if it's just really all about you wanting them to like you, not the fact that you genuinely enjoyed hanging out with them and would like to see them again, like, those are two very different kind of intentions for even caring whether or not like you've heard back from somebody. And I just know for like the longest time I was so focused on wanting to be wanted that I didn't ever stop and think like, is this what I want? And I think especially as maybe the older you get into, into dating and the more you start to kind of freak out about the fact that you haven't found somebody, it's really easy to get wrapped up in the like wanting to be wanted because you just want something to work versus making sure like you really actually want to go on another date with this person. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Okay. Well, so I think we're coming up on about our time. So I want to give you the chance to tell everybody where to find you, where to find the podcast, how to follow you, um, all the things. You can find me at Jennifer Golden on social media, all the platforms, and you can follow me at It's Complicated Podcast. It's actually, no, it's at Complicated Show on all the social media platforms as well. And It's Complicated on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to us weekly and we will give you all of our tips, tricks, and anecdotes basically about what's going on in our lives and how you can learn from us or do the opposite if you really want to, because we're living proof of all the things that we talk about weekly. I love it. And thank, thank you so much for coming on and for like your honesty and insight. I would definitely um, consider you an expert in the dating world because you, you pay attention a lot to mindset. And I think that's hugely important, but often gets left out of the dating conversations. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You made my day. Okay. Thank you so much to Jen for all of her insight and her honesty on what it's like to be single these days. I also want to just mention that if I sound a little bit hoarse, it's because at the time of recording this, I've just come back from a weekend um, at my cousin's wedding where um, there was a lot of loud music and yelling involved. So I've lost my voice a little bit. But my favorite takeaways from the conversation are how your relationship with yourself sets the tone for all of our other relationships. Obviously, that's a big one for me, hence the whole point of this podcast. But I love Jen's advice of, you know, be kind to yourself and, and date yourself first. How it's important to be aware of our patterns or the games we play so that you can decide whether or not they're really serving your best interest. 
how important it is to find a true partner, like someone who's going to be there for you in the ways that you need and you want and is on the same page with not just what you want for your life, but also how you're going to kind of tackle and divvy up all those responsibilities. How there's no point in playing all the games of guessing people's motives and feelings. As Jen said, everything will reveal itself eventually. And I love her advice to sometimes you just need to be still and let life happen as it's supposed to happen. Like still show up and be ready, but don't force it. And so kind of in in practical application, how she said that if you... If you haven't heard from someone you're interested in and you have something to say to them that doesn't come from a place of like anxiety or a place of ego, then say it like it's a way to show interest. But just be aware of your your motives or your intentions behind like how you're approaching your dating life. And then my favorite quote from the whole conversation is I am my best partner and I will always be there for myself. I love that. And I just truly believe that if you can get to that mindset, it will absolutely change your your dating life. So thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode that I'm going to ask you to please just share it with like two or three friends that you think will also relate to it. Um, That'll really help me grow the podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe. And if you want to throw me a rating or a short review, that would be amazing. And we're going to close out with a book recommendation actually from a previous guest to the show. And I just want to say, I promise I did not put her up to this. I just asked her for a recommendation and this is what she sent through. And I'm, I'm very flattered and appreciative, appreciative of that. If you want to send in your recommendation for a book or a podcast or an app or anything that has helped you better understand yourself or life, um, please just record a short voice memo and you can send that to the better you podcast at gmail.com. So thank you again and have a wonderful rest of your day. I'm Mel Stevens, host of your BFF podcast, and I shared my story on episode four, saving ourselves. One of my absolute favorite books is I Gave Up Men for Lint, written by the wonderful host of this very podcast, Miss Casey Maine. Casey's book served as a much-needed reminder that the only person responsible for my happiness was me. It helped me to own my shit and recognize the areas of my life where I can make some changes, take responsibility, and make my happiness and my dreams come true. (music) 